Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Awesome. We're in a series called Family Matters. And so if you've got a Bible, why don't you open with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We have, um, we're going to have the Scriptures up on the wall behind us as well. But we're in a series that we started last week called Family Matters because family matters. And then there are some family matters to discuss. And I love this idea that we see in Scripture called family. So in Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church and as usual is pastoring and helping and guiding and believing in them and says something incredible. But I'm going to start in verse 13. We're going to land in verse 19, but we're going to start in 13. He says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's good news on a Sunday morning in church. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. There's so much in that verse. I'm not going to go there, but if you want to study the Bible for the rest of your life, you can just go to that verse because... um, it's crazy what Paul is saying there. There's just layer after layer of depth there, but we'll, 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 we'll keep going. And he says, And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. That's a reference to God's people and the Gentiles. And how now once, uh, for, for once, he's brought them together. For through him, we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then, and this is where we land today, verse 19. Everybody say, So then. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the, listen to it, household of God. I want to preach part two of this series, Family Matters. This is the title, if you're looking for a title today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can write this down. God's table. That's the title of the message this morning. God's table. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for your word today, Lord. Thank you that your word always breathes life into your people. God, we thank you that it's through your word that we see so many of the promises that apply to our lives, that help us, that shape us, that mold us into who we're called to be. God, we thank you, Father, for your inspired word. Thank you that it's perfect. Thank you that it's all we need and that through it, Lord, you do so much. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We pray for Colonial Kids as always, Lord. We pray that you'd be blessing them as well, building their little lives, their little spirits in Jesus' name. And we all said? So family matters. Why? Because it does. Family matters to God. Family is incredibly important to God. The enemy's been after the family for a long time because it's so important. It's vital. So much happens in family. So much is intended by God through family. The family unit, as we see in Scripture, has the power, I believe, to change the world. My friend Josh Kelsey said one time, he said, you know, 
think about the, the, the Last Supper that Jesus had, it's just like, man, Jesus and a table changed the world. And it's so true when it comes to family, through families, God can achieve so much. And family's powerful. We see it all through Scripture, beginning in Genesis 3. God creates and He creates people, but it was always His desire to dwell with you and me. Do you know that? It was always His desire to dwell in unity with His people, His children. We see it in Genesis 3 where it says that God walked in the cool of the day and they hid themselves. A lot of people focus on the fact they hid themselves. I want to draw your attention to the fact that God was there with His people walking in the cool of the day wanting to be with his children. And then we see it all through Scripture. We see it um, literally in the tent of Moses. Another name for it was the tent of meeting. I mean, God is being pretty clear. It's a place of meeting. God wants to meet and be with his people. And then we see it through the tabernacle, which literally means to tabernacle means to be with, to, to house, to dwell with God's people. And then we see it in the temple. And now we see it fulfilled and being fulfilled in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I are now a part of. It's powerful, but God has always wanted to be in his house with his people. Let me show you a verse, Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. You know, you're blessed when you dwell in God's house. That's what the Scripture says. You're blessed when you're in the house of God. I would rather, uh, sorry, verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. It says that The psalmist says, a day in your courts, so not even in the house, in the outer area where people spend time, where people are just close. The psalmist says, even there, one day there is better than a thousand anywhere else. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God then dwell in the tent of the wicked. The house, the home, God's house, His family, His people inside of His house. So I wanted to take this morning, I want to take this picture of a house a little bit further and just think about it for a moment. Just in, the, in terms of a natural house, we all live in homes, maybe an apartment, maybe a house, whatnot. But you think about a house, there's different things inside the house that make up the house that are important for the house. I want to give you two sort of categories, but one would be function when it comes to things in the house, think about, I mean, we all need a roof, right? Right? <laughs> we, need roof, we need a roof over it, but things that would make up the function of a house would be things like bedrooms. I am so grateful that my children have a bedroom to go to <laughs> at times. That's a function that's important to me, that there are bathrooms, kitchens, doorways, hallways, flooring, Functionally important. And then I'd put comfort in a different category. And you're going to love this one. You're with me on this one. But when it comes to the couch, that is my place of comfort. Who here has a place on the couch? That's your place. Of, come on, this is church. Be honest. It's your place of comfort. I have my place of comfort on our couch at home. And I'll tell you, that's my territory. I will defend it with my life. If any little people come and try to take it from me. What other, play, what other things are comfortable or provide comfort in a home? Beds, very comfortable. Chairs, maybe a porch swing if you have one. But taking that a little bit further, I would say there's one thing in a house, in a home that 
goes a little bit further than function, a little bit further than comfort, but actually serves a greater purpose, and that's the table. The dining table, the, the family table. I still remember, I can see it in my mind, the family table we had growing up in my house. It was this round, big oak table. This thing was huge. If you tried to move it, like you would, you would, be in, you would need like 10 men to move this thing. It was so big. And if you ran into the table in a game or something like that, it was always you lost the table one. This was a sturdy table. And then I think about the table that Jill and I have in our family now. And, you know, it's a farmhouse style table and it extends. It's rugged because it needs to take a beating from our kids. One time I came home and Charlie had a steak knife literally out and he was just sitting at the table by himself, just chiseling things in the top of our dining table. He was three years old and I was just like, cool, awesome, buddy. Go to your room. <laughs> Gotta love kids. Gotta love family. But I love that table, not because necessarily I like how it looks and I like that it's well built and it's got function, it's got comfort. But you know what I love about that table? It's where we all sit together. It's where we all spend time together. That table uh, serves a greater purpose in our home, in our family. It's where we come and we are together. We sit at the table and amazing things take place. So I wanted to use this this picture, this this figuratively speaking, this picture of a table, okay? And when I talk about the table of the Lord, I'm talking about being in church. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about opening your Bible, spending time with God, okay? That's what I mean by that. But I want, just go with me. Is I, want, I want to talk about the family table for a moment. And I want to draw a spiritual parallel with each of these points, okay? You with me? Number one, what's important about the table? We'll think about this for a moment. Number one, the table is where the family joins together. Okay, it's where we join together. It's where we come together. Spiritually speaking, church is a parallel to that. It's where we come to the table. It's where we join together. Right here. Look at Ephesians 2 again, verse 19. um, Sorry, verse 20. Paul says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, which means it's all built around Jesus. He's the purpose for everything. He's He's the main deal in this whole thing. Um, But look at verse 21, it says, in whom the whole structure being joined together, the family of God coming to the table of the Lord, like we are right now, we're being joined together. There's an amazing purpose to this. And this is my burden for the messages. I pray that maybe if you've grown up just kind of going to church, you're going to see going to church in a different light today. Because coming to the table, spiritually speaking, it's not just going to church It's so much bigger than that. We're actually joining together. We're coming together. The table, the spiritual body of believers, the gathering of the church, it's a meeting place. It's a union moment. This is where we all come on to the level playing field called the church. It's a central point of meeting. Just like in the home we do here when we gather, it's where the family sits down and has a meal. You don't go to the dining table at home and just sit there by yourself. I mean, you could. But when you go there, you expect other people to show up. You gather people around, everybody shows up and you notice, listen to me, you notice when someone's not there. Why should it be any different here? Spiritually speaking, can I just encourage you? And we have a saying in here in our church, which we say all the time, it wouldn't be the same if you didn't come. It's not the same if you don't come. 
The reality is the table, spiritually speaking, is where we as a church family, as a spiritual body, it's where we come together. This is not just a church service. It's time at the table. It's time at the table. It's not wasted time. Speaking of family matters, the table is where the family usually prays together. I just wanted to ask you, do you give thanks before every meal? Because that's an opportunity at the table to to pray and to spend time. And, you know, I love that when we, you know, and we're, we're busy too, just like you, I'm sure. And like, sometimes we just do, you know, quick meals and whatever, but at least a few times a week, we get the opportunity as a family to sit down together at our table and give thanks. And can I just tell you that inside our week as a family, that is some of the sweetest moments of our day. And we have three kids and it's like a lottery right now for who gets to say grace and who's, who wants to say grace. So Jill and I will normally say, hey, who wants to pray? And right now it seems to be Charlie, our youngest, is like, you know, he's just, he's in the, you know, he's just in, on a roll right now. And you never know, you never know what you're going to get, right? When you ask a, a five-year-old to pray, you just never know what you're going to get. But I'll tell you right now, I am leaning in to those moments. I am turning my ear to those moments when we as a family come together, give thanks and pray. It matters. And it's important because the family, that's what the family does when you're at the table. You know, for us as a church, let's let's be really, 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 really serious right now, but we don't put on midweek events here at church because we think that's the right thing to do. We don't do that. Like, I, like I, I, we, Jill and I, we never set out to build a church. We just put stuff on for the sake of putting things on. We, we, we want to set the table during the week. We want people to feel like they have the ability to come to the table on a Wednesday night, drop off youth to be a part of middle school and high school so they can come to youth house on a Wednesday night, Tuesday night, young adults ministry, the exchange in our church, which is absolutely going off right now. It's incredible, but it's an opportunity for young people to come to the table of God. I think about when I first got saved and I didn't grow up in church, didn't have a Bible, never read the Bible, never knew much about faith at all, but I got radically saved at 19. And then I started getting invited to all these midweek events. I literally spent all of my week at church. I didn't go on Monday because there was literally nothing on on Monday. (laughs) But Tuesday, I was there. I was there at a dinner party. Wednesday, I was there at creative night. Thursday, I was there at rehearsal. Friday night, I was at young adults ministry. Saturday night, I was there for a church service. And Sunday, all day, I was at church. And it began to to impress upon me this thing that I'm not actually just going to something. I'm actually coming to sit at the table. And as I sit at the table... Just like you and I did when we grew up in our families, our identity is formed. And when we sit at the table, we begin to find out who we really are. We get to affirm each other. We get to encourage each other. And we find out who we really are in Christ. The table is where the family joins together. Let's not forsake it. Let's, let's, let's never underestimate the power of coming together. Never underestimate the power of just showing up. And maybe you came in today and it's like, man, you just barely made it. Can I just encourage you? You did a good thing by coming to church today. And good on you. No matter what the circumstance looks like, you made a good move by making it here today. Because when the table, when people come to the table, especially the table of God, things change. Can I get an amen? Amen. So number one, this table 
The table of God is where we come together just like at home. And number two, the table is where the family eats together and is nourished. Do you know that when you come to church, you don't just sit there and some guy gets up and speaks or some girl. But you know what happens? We receive something. Something is actually received in that moment. I want to show you a few scriptures. Okay, just, just before I talk about this a little bit more, but it's Hebrews 4 and verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's the word. James 1 and verse 21. It says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive, look at this, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Isn't it interesting that James says it that way? He says, first of all, you can receive the word, but then he says, as we receive the word, it's implanted into us. Isaiah 55 and verse 11, this is God speaking. So shall, the, the, shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to be empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And Matthew chapter four and verse four is, uh, Jesus was tempted by the devil. He says this, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When we come to the table, we eat together and we're nourished. You know, the word, it's living, it's active, it's fresh. But it's what we can receive. And when we come to church, we're not just coming to church and hearing someone speak. Can I just encourage you? You are receiving the word of God. Right now, as scripture is being preached and scripture is being taught, what's happening is it is being put into you. Like James says, it's being planted in you. I remember when I started going to church, <laughs> I remember my dinner party leader was just like, hey, when you go to church, just remember that it's getting in you. And I was like, what do you say? It's like something happening to me, you brainwashing me or, you know, I was just a new Christian. I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, no, 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 no. When the message is being preached, it's getting in you. And I was like, whoa, that sounds awesome. And then I started to understand more. But the truth is this, write this down. The Bible feeds me and transforms me. When, you, when, when, when we're in church, when we open our Bibles, when we spend time at the table of God, the Word of God, it feeds us. But then it transforms us. Because it's active and it's alive. And at the table with the family of God, when we come to the table, it's where we get fed the Word. The truth is, if we aren't at the table, we don't get fed. If you're not at the table, you won't get fed. This is a simple, natural picture, but just, just go with me for a moment. Naturally speaking, if I don't eat, I get hungry. I get weak. And then I get desperate. Now think about it spiritually. If you don't read the Bible, if you're not in the Word, you will go hungry, spiritually speaking, and your soul will get weak and desperate. This is why it's so important that we understand this. And some of you are struggling in life, relationships. You feel like you're going backwards. You're feeling weak and messed up. But it's simply because you're spiritually malnourished. It's simply because you're just not getting fed what you need to be fed. And here's what's important. And I don't like bringing my phone up on the platform, but for today I will. But what we need to make sure we don't do is spend all of our time scrolling and not picking up our Bibles. 
Because what happens when we just spend all our time scrolling? Listen to me, friend. We don't get fed. This this is a big statement. I know that I'm going to shock you by what I say, but this is a counterfeit. This is the real deal. Yeah, I could read my Bible on it. I know that. I've got the Bible app. I have all the strategies as well. But I can get lost in scrolling. And I can allow myself to get caught up in whatever's happening in the latest and greatest, but there is nothing that will ever replace the transforming power of the Word of God. If we're not at the table, we won't get fed. I mean, just think about it for a moment. I'm I'm just going to say, I like to eat. Have I got any friends here? I like to eat. And the older I get, it's just like, have you, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just recognizing this, I guess, now. But I care about, if we're going to go to a restaurant, Jill's, hey, we're going to go here. I'm just like, what kind of food they got? <laughs> hey, it's the same with your soul. Yeah. But your soul only needs one thing. Right. It's God's Word. There it is. Because what happens is, like James says, it gets planted in you. And our soul gets fed when we read our Bibles. And when we don't read our Bibles, our, fo- our souls begin to starve out. We got to get the Word. I remember when Jill and I were dating before we got married. And, you know, I think it was pretty early on because I, I kind of asked that question, you know, like every boyfriend kind of asks at some point, which is, hey, what do your parents think about me? You know, it's a bit of a scary question, okay? You just, I remember it was just like, so what does your mom, what does your mom think about me, you know? She, and she just said this, she only just wanted to know one thing, is he in the Word? And I remember just thinking, that, that was it. <laughs> she didn't want to know if I was a nice guy. She didn't want to know if I had a job. She didn't want to know if I loved you. <laughs> she said, is he in the Word? She asked that question because she wanted to know what was feeding my soul. What is he getting on the inside of him? that's nourishing him. And if it's not the word, then we've got a problem. Here's the, here's the truth this morning, is the word gets on the inside and it changes us. You know, I was recently reading, I was studying a little bit about this idea of how much reading the Bible matters. And one of my favorite books, I read it at seminary. It's still one of my favorite books that I still read. I make all of our staff read it. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. And he talks about Bible intake. He's got two chapters in the book. Just about, just straight Bible intake, like carb loading for your soul, he calls it. Just the more that you read the Bible and read the Bible and read the Bible, the way it just gets in you and on you and starts to work through you. And in this study, he talks about it, but around about 11% of Christians in America read the Bible every day. 11%, that's it. And it kind of struck me. I was just like, man, that's so low. And why is that important? Why am I talking about that? Because it's actually really easy to read the Bible. But the problem is we just get caught up in everything else. But what if I told you today that you could very easily read the Bible multiple times in a year? You're probably like, yeah, right. Well, this is what he says in his book. But he said, reading three chapters every day and five chapters on a Sunday, which I think is pretty easy to do, will take you through the Bible in a year's time. If you read three chapters in the Old Testament and three in the New Testament every day, listen to this, you will finish the Old Testament once and the New Testament four times in a year. 
Why is this important? Because the Bible transforms us. The Word of God, it helps us. And then I read about this study that I talked about at Wildman. It's called The Power of Four. It was a study that was done by the Center of Biblical Engagement. And they were trying to work out how basically reading the Bible, how that transforms someone's life, how it interacts with social behaviours and what actually takes place. And this is what they found. If someone reads the Bible once a week, say on Sundays, there's basically no impact in that person's life. If someone reads the Bible two days a week, there's still no impact in someone's life. If someone reads the Bible three days a week, there's almost no impact at all, except there's a slight blip on the radar. And then at four days a week, everything changes. Exponential change. Things radically change. And I want to read some of the things that change, what they found. They found this, that feeling, feelings of loneliness dropped by 30%. Feelings of anger, people who had anger issues dropped by 40%. Bitterness in relationship and resentment towards other people dropped by 40%. When it came to addictions, People who are in their Bibles at least four days a week, alcoholism dropped by 57%. From reading the Bible, people. Viewing pornography dropped by 61%. For people who are in the Word at least four days a week. And he went on and on and on. And it just led me to that verse in Psalm 119 and verse 11. I've got to read it to you. It says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There it is right there. Science just confirmed what the Bible's been telling us for years. And it's just so good. I just want to read some of the other ones, but feeling spiritually stagnant dropped by 60%. People who shared their faith went up by 220%. People who stepped out in faith to disciple others went up by 200%. And memorization of Scripture went up by over 400%. Now, I want you to think about something. You're probably thinking about it right now. It's like, what's the difference between three and four days? Like, why, why was there no change on three days? And then when you got to four days, everything changed. Well, it's, it just, it's so simple. But it went from, when it comes to our week, seven days that we have, it went from being a minority thing to a majority thing. All of a sudden, we gave God the most of our weeks. And then big things started to change. This is the power of living in the Word of God. This is the power of being in God's Word. If we're not at the table, we don't get fed. And if we don't get fed, we don't get nourished. And if we don't get nourished, we will not change. We have to be people of the Word. So I want to take it a step further because I'm your pastor and I love you. I told you I brought my phone up here. I don't do this very often. But inside our Colonial app, I just had the team set it up. But you could download the app if you haven't already. And on the, the front page is a link to a Bible reading plan that'll be the easiest thing you do every day. You open up this, click through, it'll take you straight through to Jill and I's favourite devotional, which is Oswald Chambers, Daily Devotional. And I'm telling you right now, if you can get in the habit of doing that, every single day, you're going to get Scripture, you're going to get fed the Word, it's going to get illustrated to you, it's going to get applied to your life. What's going to happen is your life is going to change. That's a money-back guarantee, by the way. <laughs> the app's free. So number one, the table is where we come together as a family. Number two, the table is where we eat and we're nourished. And number three, the table is always where we're in the presence of the Father. We're in the presence of Jesus. That's the power of being at the table. 
That's the power of being in God's family. That's the power when we gather as a church. We're not just going through ritual and routine. We're not just going through the motions. Can I just encourage you? We never set out to start a church where we would just go through the motions. We are doing everything we can as a church. And I want to talk about family matters as part of this series. But one of the, the goals of our whole church platform, worship team, preaching and teaching moments is this, that you would encounter the presence of God. Because it's at the table It's where we always are in the presence of God. Ephesians 2, our text from the top, it says it was built on the foundations. This is the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, and Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, look at what it says, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. Paul's using this language of structure, this understanding of how things are built, that we are ultimately joined to Jesus. So what happens when we come to the table? What are we, what are we getting? What are we truly getting when we come to the table of God? You know what we're getting? We're getting Jesus. We're not coming to the table and getting nothing. We're obviously getting the Word, but what are we really getting? We're getting to partake and become and, and be in Jesus Jesus himself said it this way in John chapter 6. Team, you can come back up. But he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Look at the food. Here it comes. I am the bread of life. Jesus says it. I am that bread. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that One may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So my question today is, do you know what's actually on the table? It's Jesus. Do you know what we're coming together for? It's Jesus. You know what we're coming together around? It's Jesus. Everything points back to Jesus and the best part about the the place at the table that you have that's specially assigned to you, that has your name on it, the moment that you enter the table and the moment you come into the presence of God, you connect with Jesus. And that's what changes everything because Jesus changes everything. Would you stand with me? You know, God in the Old Testament actually had a table. I don't know if you know this, but inside the tabernacle, He specifically had instructions for a table to be built. It's called the table of showbread. And on that table, there was bread that was put there that would be renewed every single week. And the priest would have to come in and they'd place the, the bread every single Sabbath brand new bread and they would put six loaves on one side and six loaves on the other and they would stack them up so that they would face inward towards the presence of God. God had His own table specifically. And I was thinking about that and I was remembering that and I went to the Lord in my quiet time this week and I was like, God, what's the prophetic significance of that? What what, what are you foreshadowing all the way back in Leviticus and Exodus? What are you showing us? And it says this in, in Exodus 25, he says this, and he says, you will keep the bread fresh before me forever as a perpetual covenant 
a continual, continually before me, there will be fresh bread. And I was thinking about that today. I was just like, man, well, the 12, the 12 loaves, that represents Israel. And wow, because of Jesus and because of the cross, now we're part of Israel and we're part of the people of God. We've been grafted in. And the bread that's fresh reminds me of what well, was done every single Sabbath. And for us, our Lord was resurrected on a Sunday. So we come into church on a Sunday. And what happens when we come into church on a Sunday? We're in His presence and it's refreshed and it's renewed. And when we're in the presence of God, can I just encourage you, everything is fresh, everything is new, nothing is stale. And God's ready to do something in our lives. So I just wanted to open this up for a moment, but if you have any prayer need at all, maybe you're in here today and like I've been talking about reading the Bible and you're just thinking about your own walk with God and maybe where you're at spiritually and you do feel stagnant, you do feel things have grown stale. I wanna pray for you because I'm believing that from this moment forward, this is gonna be a freshness. It's gonna be like the, the early and the late rains on your spiritual life, that things are just gonna to begin to freshen up and you're gonna to begin to hear God. And as you're in His Word, at least four days a week, things are gonna change. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, if that's you, come on, you just lift up your hands. It's just between you and God. This is not about anyone looking around. This is just for you. Time for you to do some business with the Holy Spirit. Well, Holy Spirit, you see the hands that are raised and we thank you that, that you're here right now and at the table of the Lord, there's always fresh bread. There's always a fresh word. There's always something fresh that you're doing. So God, we just thank you for Jesus right now, but we thank you that from this moment, there's gonna be a richness, no longer a staleness or dryness, but a richness that we're gonna just understand things on a greater level. God, I pray right now for people to experience Your presence like they never have before. That in their quiet time, that as they step out in faith to read Your Word and pray, God, they're gonna experience a freshness that comes from rain from heaven in their quiet time and in their walk with You. God, we thank You as we look to You, Lord. There's always freshness in Your presence in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.